0: Good morning, everyone, and I'm happy to be able to share with you God's word today. Our subject is getting guidance from God, getting guidance from God, and the passage given to us is Genesis chapter 24, Uh, getting guidance from God. Now, if you have a study Bible, you see there in the very first line, uh, probably it says something like a bride for Isaac, and that is the subject of this story. Uh, given to us in Genesis chapter 24. It's a very interesting chapter, by the way. It is the longest chapter in the book of Genesis, but this chapter is unique in that it records no special word from God, no miracle, no prophecy. It does not even restate God's covenant with Abraham. And yet, It is practical for us and there are many lessons that we can learn from this 24th chapter of the book of Genesis. Now before us is a beautiful oriental story of love and marriage, the bride for Isaac. But this chapter is also filled with theological truth as well. Now think with me like this. In the book of Genesis, we have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in this story, Abraham pictures for us God the Father. Abraham is the Father. He pictures God the Father who desired a bride for his son. Isaac pictures God the Son. He was willing to give his life as you know in the story he did not actually give his life but he was willing to give his life and he pictures for us God the Son and then there's another character in this chapter in the story he's the servant he is anonymous but for our purposes today we will call him Eliezer that's probably who it was the servant of Abraham Eliezer goes into a foreign land, into the north, what we would call today Syria, to obtain a bride for Isaac. So Eliezer pictures for us the Holy Spirit who actually goes into the foreign land. The Holy Spirit goes into the world to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment and draw the bride to Christ the Son. And then we have Rebecca she was the target she was the bride for isaac and she pictures for us the church and rebecca makes a decision even though she had never seen isaac she said i will go she made a decision she pictures for us the church the bride of christ so this passage is filled with us Uh, filled with theological truth, profound truth, typology, if you will, in this 24th chapter of Genesis. But the story in this chapter also gives to us one of the clearest examples of the sovereignty of God and of the leading of God in our lives that can be found anywhere in the Bible. Because this servant experienced the guidance of God as he went into a foreign country in order to obtain a bride for Isaac. He followed the Lord and the Lord led him. So this morning I want us to zero in on his life, on his experience, because by following the principles that we find here, we are able to experience the guidance of God in our lives as well, getting guidance from God. Now, that's something uh, in which all of us should be interested. Don't we want to be led by the Lord? Doesn't the Bible say they who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God? We want God's leading in our lives. How can we have it? Well, we should desire it. Psalm 25 verse 5 says, Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all the day long. So, how do we experience the guidance of the Lord? What can we learn here from Eliezer, this servant? Well, let me mention first of all that in order to experience guidance from God, may our hearts be yielded. May our hearts be yielded to God, so that he can guide us. Foremost in our minds and hearts must be the will of God. And that was the situation here with Eliezer. He went to find a bride for Isaac. The task was given to this servant, and the servant was completely devoted to Abraham. His favorite name for Abraham was my master. And he mentions that 19 times in this chapter. He is focused on doing the will of Abraham. He is focused on being yielded to his will. He lived only to please his master. And he's a good example for us to follow today. The servant got his orders from the master. He did not change them. He made a vow of obedience. He meant it. He kept it. And he knew that he was accountable to Abraham, his master. And so his heart was yielded. He was focused on pleasing his master. And we should be too. In order to experience the will of God, may our hearts be yielded. Now, Isaac in this situation wanted a suitable bride. He did not marry one of the heathen women that were there in the neighborhood and in that region there in Canaan because they were all idolaters, and he wanted to serve the Lord. But he had some relatives, some people in the north, who knew God. They were not as dedicated to the Lord as Abraham, but they knew who the true God was. And so Isaac could find a bride from that area who would be like-minded, and could serve the Lord and be in the same uh, life purpose with him. So, he was confident that God wanted a wife for him, to share his faith, to be like-minded in purpose, and he would do better if he got someone from a similar family background. Now, there's a wonderful principle there, and it is true and applicable in our lives as well. It is right for a Christian to marry a person who is a Christian. And it is wrong for a Christian to marry one who does not share his or her faith. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 39, only in the Lord. That's the phrase, only in the Lord. Don't marry outside of the Lord. I remember as a young person in the youth group, they used to say to us, be careful who you date because every date Is a potential mate. Do not even date an unsaved person because you may become involved with that person emotionally. And then if marriage comes along, then you're gonna be in trouble. You're gonna have some frustration. Marry only in the Lord. And we're told that twice in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And then from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Can two walk together except they be agreed, we read in the prophecy of Amos? No, we ought to have that same life purpose, to serve the Lord, to walk with the Lord, to to have the Lord magnified in our home. And that cannot happen when two people are serving different masters. So Isaac wanted a suitable bride for himself, and so the servant goes over there into the foreign land to obtain a bride for Isaac. And the servant was completely dedicated to his master. His heart was yielded to Abraham. Now the same thing ought to be true of us. We should be yielded to the Lord. We should be seeking his will. It should be foremost in our lives. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, what do we say? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. That should be our prayer. That should be our foremost desire for the will of God, the guiding of God, the leadership of God. Oh God, I want your will in my life. I want your will in my marriage. I want your will in my education. I want your will in my ministry. I give to you my problems. I give to you my life. Oh God, thy will be done. His will should be foremost in our lives. May our hearts be yielded to him. Now some people look at that principle and they say, well... I don't know if I ought to surrender to God or not because I want to know what he wants me to do. If I surrender to him, then he may ask me to do something I don't want to do. He may ask me to, you know, be a missionary in Africa or something like that. My friends, let's alleviate that fear. God is our designer. God is our maker. God knows what what is best for us he knows what will bring fulfillment in our lives and he will not use our yieldedness to him as a platform to make us miserable so we need not fear being submitted to god and trusting him for his will isaiah 26 4 says trust in the lord forever The Lord, the Lord is our rock eternal. May our hearts be yielded to him. The poet said, it may not be on the mountain high or over the stormy sea. It may not be on the battle's front. My Lord shall have need of me. But if by a still small voice he calls to paths I do not know, I'll answer, dear Lord, with my hand in thine. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Over mountain or plain or sea. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Why? Because my heart is yielded and submitted to you. Thy will be done. And if we're to know the guidance of God in our lives... Our hearts must be submitted to him. And that was true here of Eliezer. But as we examine his life and his experience here, there's another principle. May our minds be active. He wants us to think. Now notice in this passage that Eliezer took with him to the foreign land uh, some jewelry, some bracelets and so forth. In fact, the jewelry is mentioned in this passage three times. Verse 10, verse 22, and verse 53. He's going into this foreign land. He's going to meet a prospective bride. And uh, he wanted to have some jewelry with him to, to persuade her to come back to marry Isaac, this man she had never seen. Now, why did he do that? because he was thinking that's why he did that and he knows that women like that kind of stuff right that makes sense have you ever met a woman that didn't like jewelry or or uh, maybe we mentioned some other things about flowers you ever met a woman that didn't like flowers I, I take it a step further you ever met a woman that didn't like horses Something about horses, you know, big, strong, powerful. Women like horses. Well, women like jewelry too. And so he takes with him this jewelry here. He's going to show this to the prospective bride so that she'll come back. He was using his head. May our minds be active. Also, we could see that he probably observed that Isaac uh, was maybe a little passive and quiet. You kind of get that impression as you read the story of Isaac. uh, He had a rather assertive father, Abraham, and then a son, Jacob. They were a little bit more assertive in life. But Isaac, you know, peaceful, meditative kind of person. You know, maybe a type B personality. And uh, this servant knew that Isaac needed a woman who was self-reliant and outgoing, you know, to sort of balance the equation. He was using his head. He was thinking about the situation. Say, God wants his people to use common sense in seeking his will. Some folks have this idea that, well, if it makes sense, if it's logical, that that, that's not God's will. (laughs) And nothing could be further from the truth. He wants us to use our minds. He wants us to do that which is rational, that which is sensible, that which makes sense. There are some people who try to discover God's will by chance, much like flipping a coin or like closing one's eyes and opening the Bible and putting your finger down on a verse and saying, well, that's the way to find God's will. No. Others may seek God's will by expecting some miraculous, Intervention from heaven. They expect God to appear, to to speak audibly, to tell them exactly what he wishes them to do. Well, good luck with that. That's not going to happen. Or others would rely on strong emotional feelings. Uh, I'm not going to do anything unless I feel the strong emotional urge. But wait, God wants us to use our heads in seeking his will. We should examine the pros and the cons of an issue in a rational manner. What's going on here? What are the circumstances? What are people saying? What is the most reasonable thing to do? What is the common sense thing to do? We should think of every possible angle of a decision, clarify our thinking, and then come to know the will of God. That's what this servant did here. Ladies and gentlemen, in order to experience the will of God, may our hearts be submitted. In order to experience the will of God, may our minds be active. But there's a third principle here. May our lips be prayerful. We should pray. Pray for God's will. Pray for God's will to be done. Now, in this passage, in this chapter, we see that the servant prayed three times. He prayed to request a sign, verses 12 and 13. He, praised, he, he prayed also to praise God for leading him to this woman. That was a difficult thing for him to do, going to a foreign land. How in the world is he going to find this one particular woman to come down and be the bride for Isaac? Well, God led him to that woman, and he praised God for it. And also, he gave thanks for the fulfillment of his mission. After he knew what he needed to do, and after he followed the will of God, he praised God and gave God thanks. How often do we forget to do that? And so, this whole endeavor, this whole situation here of obtaining the bride for Isaac was bathed in prayer. Notice the different, his posture in prayer. He got up there to the land of the north and he was standing beside a well. I think it's interesting that he went to a well. He didn't go to a saloon. He didn't go to some place of sinful pleasure. He went to a well, a place of concourse, a place where people were working and doing their duties. He went to a well, and he stood there beside that well and prayed, Oh God, lead me to the right woman. Other times he prayed on his knees. He had different posture in prayer. But he was a person who prayed. He was simply asking God to show him a woman who had an attitude of service. Someone who would go beyond what was normally expected. He did not just ask for a woman of good looks. He did not just ask for a woman of wealth. But he asked for a particular woman who had an attitude of service. So he has an encounter here with Rebecca. She comes on the scene. And Rebecca says, may I offer you a drink? Now, that was a common thing. That was an expected thing, uh, to give a drink to a weary traveler. But then she said something else. She said, may I give a drink to your animals? Now, that was quite a statement. And it showed that Rebecca had an attitude of service. She was willing to go the second mile. She was willing to do more. She was going to do that which was unexpected. So not only was she kind and pleasant and polite and humble and healthy, but she was a hard worker. Now they tell us that a camel, after a long journey through the desert, can drink as much as 40 gallons of water. And they had here 10 camels. You see where I'm going with this? So for Rebecca to say, have a drink of water, that was one thing. But for her to say, let me water your animals, that was quite another thing. She had to draw all of that water out of the well by hand. And Eliezer stood there and watched her do the whole thing. But he knew that she was the woman because he prayed and he sought God's leadership. Say, God guides those who pray. Prayer is the best means of receiving God's guidance. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. In Ephesians 6, 18, oh, th- this, this is an amazing verse. I wish it would be possible for all of us to live by this verse. I'm sure our lives would be different. He literally says, Pray all the time and pray about Everything. Listen to what he says here. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now that's quite a verse, isn't it? He just says pray all the time. You have a conversation with somebody on the phone, you hang it up, dear Lord, bless that person, help him with this problem. You get up in the morning and you you see your wife Lord, I thank you for my wife. Bless her today and help her with all that she has to do. And help me to be a good husband. Help me to to make her glad she's married to me. Help me to be a good husband. You go out to get in your car, oh Lord, help me to drive safely. Help me to see the other cars. Help the other cars to see me. You hear see an ambulance go down the road. You hear the siren. Oh, Lord, somebody's having an emergency here. Help those people. Bless those people. We're to bathe our lives in prayer, praying on all occasions with all kinds of prayers, with all kinds of requests. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. We're to bathe our lives and all of our activities in prayer. God guides those who pray. May our lips be prayerful. May our lips be prayerful. But then there's another principle here, may our steps be wise, may our steps be wise. Now I want you to note that the servant here waited on the Lord, he wasn't in a hurry. Uh, When he found out that Rebecca was the woman and God answered his prayer very specifically when he found out that Rebecca was a woman, he didn't say, okay, jump on this camel, we're going to go down south, time to get married. No, he took his time. He said, Rebecca, who are your relatives? And he went to see the relatives. And he talked with them and feasted with them for several days and, and, and tried to be a good witness to them. Told them all that God had done. Gave Rebecca uh, some, some time and some opportunity to say goodbye to her relatives and her loved ones because she would leave there and never see them again. So he was very wise. He didn't rush into this situation. He did not act hastily. Isaiah twenty eight sixteen says, whoever believes will not act hastily. So, in getting guidance from God, we respond to his leadership with prudence, but we give God time to work. We do not act hastily. Someone wrote, God guides deliberately, but he does not lead recklessly. Wait for him to bring the circumstances together. You're familiar with that wonderful verse, Isaiah forty thirty one. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does he say? If you wait on the Lord, if your steps are wise, if you follow his guidance, if you follow his leadership, then your life will be endued with supernatural energy. You will run. You will walk. You will fly like the eagle. God's will will be accomplished in your life. Oh, seeking the will of God, doing the will of God, there is no greater virtue. Getting guidance from God. So, are we trying to guide ourselves? The Bible says that It is not in man to direct his own steps. That leads to frustration and disaster. But if we follow the guidance of the Lord, his path will lead to righteousness and the fulfillment of his purpose for us. So let us make up our minds today to follow his will, to use our rational powers, to pray continually, and to wait on the Lord. I have this concluding verse, Psalm 48, 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our guide how we rejoice this morning in the fact that you are our Savior and our Redeemer, the one who you have delivered us from sin through the blood of your Son. We are no longer in the domain of sin, but we've been translated into the kingdom of your dear Son, and we thank you and praise you for that. But we don't have to stumble through life. We can follow you. You are our guide. You are our shepherd. So we come to you today in surrender, we come in gratitude, we come in prayer, and we pray your will to be done in our lives all to the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.